FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 70 of the podcast that goes snicked. We're your host, Mr. and Mrs. Snicked. Snick, snick. That's it. That's a mouthful. <laughs> Say that five times fast. Anyway, we're your hosts, Jason and Denise Venable. And uh, this is going to be the episode for part one of January 2014. I just realized I got... So So are we equal hosts? The new year is upon us. Yeah, this... I mean, I know episode 69 was technically released in 2014, but this okay. is the first episode about 2014. Okay. So, I'm pretty stoked. And we got a lot so in... So you're bypassing the whole I'm not a co-host thing. What? Nothing. Huh? I'm sorry. What? Did you say something? What? 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 Anyway, what? so it's a new year for the podcast and for Wolverine and for comic books and all that fun stuff. Uh, and this episode is chock full of greatness. Well, podcast greatness anyway. We'll see if the comics live up. <laughs> anyway, since we have so much, let's uh, get right to it, shall we? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Okay, so first up, we start off the year with an ending of sorts. Bummer. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> so we have Wolverine number 13, which is not only the conclusion of Killable, but it's also the lucky 13th last issue of this volume of Wolverine. We was- can't be the last one. It can't be the one I've been waiting to end. We will start a new series in February with Wolverine number one again. Guess that means Wolverine didn't die. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Captain Obvious. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is the last, the last issue of Killable and of the series, and it is written by Paul Cornell, penciled by Alan Davis, inked. By 2013 Wolvie Award winner Mark Farmer. Woohoo! Good job. Colors by Lee Luffridge. Letters by 2013 Wolvie Award winner VC's Corey Pettit. Woohoo! VC's Corey Pettit. Alan Davis, Mark Farmer, and Rochelle Rosenberg did the cover. On this cover, we have Sabretooth with a sword holding a beat up Wolverine by his costume. Okay, so. Spoiler alert. I love this cover. Until I read the comic. I love the cover and I still love the cover. I like it quite a bit. I like the angle of like the light in the background, which yeah, goes from red like to orange. Too. Wolverine just looks beat to crap and I think that's cool. I like the way Sabretooth kind of comes out of the shadow in his black suit. And I like Sabretooth being in a black suit. I think that's yeah, there's cool. something sharp about that. Yeah, and he's got the sword... I think this is a, a pretty great cover. Again, I really liked it when I saw it, and then I read the inside, and now I know what that scene's about, and now I don't like it. <laughs> okay, so up to up to speed so far. This really wraps up really all of the first 12 issues, not just the last six. 
Um, you mean painstakingly from the man who had the gun who shot up a mall? Yes. That one? Yes. But short version, the Wolverine <laughs> got the virus. There were really monsters from the microverse. And they changed him on a genetic level and took away his healing factor, which brought all the crazies out of the woodwork. They said, oh, we can hurt Wolverine. Let's do it. So Sabretooth and his uh, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants with Mystique and his little hand, not his little hand, but his ninjas. The pinky, the thumb, the middle finger. They decided to kind of uh, play a little game with Wolverine. In a mall of all places. Well, they sent people after him and kind of led him to... The mall. The mall <laughs> to look for a sword on sale. And, um, yeah, eventually the climax now is that Sabretooth has found Wolverine. And here and there in the background, S.H.I.E.L.D. has been working to get rid of the virus. So we pick up where, Denise? We pick up at the mall. At the mall. Black Where's Kitty's Friday. lead pipe? What? Where's uh, Kitty's lead pipe? That went away a long time ago. I know. So Sabretooth found Wolverine's sword, and he's found Wolverine. Sabretooth's not doing so hot. Has no healing factor. All these people have their hands up in the air. Yeah, like, like please, they just don't care. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I'm like completely yeah. into this comic? So they're like, please don't cut Wolverine's head off, Mr. Sabretooth with the crappy ponytail. Hey, it's very Highlander. He looks like Steven Seagal. No, all I can think is Highlander. If I run this sword, or no, Highlander, they cut their head off. Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to cut your head off and steal your essence. There can be only one. (laughs) All right. So uh, Sabretooth talks about... um, uh, basically, all it took for Wolverine to embrace his animal side was to actually be afraid of dying, like all the other normal people. He says, Avengers don't kill, X-Men don't kill, but you kill and kill and kill. I like how Kenny Pride is making a really worried face. Because um, she knows he's right. She does. And Sabretooth picks up Wolverine and point. oh. Oh, yeah, by the way, there's bad guys pointing guns to everybody's head. Oh, except one. One guy has a sword to another guy's neck. Oh, yeah. Or I'm assuming it's a sword. Then you have one guy in the back who no one cares about, but he still has his hands up. (laughs) Well, because, you know, he's kind of, well, hello, girl next to him. In fact, Kitty Pride has no gun on her. You have three bad guys. Well, she can turn intangible. I think she's just worried about Sabretooth. Yeah, but okay, let's look at the odds here. You got three bad guys and six good guys, so to speak. You know what? The odds are pretty much in the good guy's favor. They could turn around and take him. Kitty could save herself, but it might not save Wolverine. Yeah, but you know what? I bet Kitty could slip out and nobody knows she's gone. She was real quiet about it, just kind of slowly sunk through the floor. Anyway, so State of the 2000 Wolverine, he talks about how basically the claws just always come out. Snicked. He has a code of honor, but you killed a guy who surrendered. You protect innocence unless they rile you like that guy Mystique was playing. So Sabretooth is basically just calling Wolverine out. Then he talks about his past, which I need some help, loyal listeners. 
Now, granted, it's definitely possible with Sabretooth's evil research <laughs> and he was able to dig up part of Wolverine's past. Well, didn't they run in, or am I confusing movies with comics, but didn't they, like, run into each other and spend some of their lives, like, crossing paths mm, yes. way back when? Yes. So I guess the question is then, and maybe we just don't know. Maybe Paul Cornell is filling in blanks without showing us. And I was trying to remember because when Wolverine found out about his whole past, you know, the story from Origin Part 1. Right. Like, he didn't go tell everybody. Like, even most of his teammates don't know. Like, Kitty didn't know until they got to the mall. <laughs> and he doesn't really oh tell Oh, my gosh. Her. So, and I don't remember there ever being a part, and this is why I need help from listeners. Maybe this happened, and I just ashamedly forgot. I don't remember there being a part where Sabretooth White discovers Wolverine's background. But, and it's true, maybe off-panel in their past, before Wolverine lost his memories, maybe he shared his past with Sabretooth when they were friends or whatever. Either that or Sabretooth got a hold of the Avenger files and watched a lot of <laughs> back-rolled TV. I'm, I'm not counting anything from uh, Savage Wolverine number 13 as... Uh, Canon. <laughs> I don't think the Avengers have satellite surveillance from before they knew who Wolverine was. <laughs> um, anyway, however, regardless, in this story right here and now, Sabretooth knows right, that Wolverine was born a rich kid, a rich, weak kid. But he says, but you want to be the everyday guy. Anyway, he looks at Kitty and he points to Wolverine and he says, what is it with this guy with fathers and sons? He always kills them. Of course, Wolverine killed his son, Dokken, and way back when, when he first popped his claws, he killed his dad. Sabretooth basically says that him and Wolverine are just the same. They're, so they're the same, like, they feed off the same emotion or they're the same as like what he does isn't any wronger than wronger. Is that a word? Yeah. yeah is anyone wrong saying that, than what Wolverine that, does? They're the same that Wolverine pretends he's better, but he's really not. He's a shorter version. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. A shorter version. And not as cool. Right. And Sam Toothot said he would give it a couple of centuries that Logan would come around and they would, um, be the Team same. Up. Yeah. That Wolverine would finally understand and once again become my peer, my confidant, my only equal. That's all Sabretooth wants. Aw, he wants a brother. He wants a friend. You know, and all this makes me think, because now we obviously know different. Now we know that Dog, Wolverine's half-brother, is Dog, and he's a character over in Wolverine and the X-Men. Right. I had always thought and kind of secretly hoped when Origin came out that Dog would end up being Sabretooth. I always kind of wondered if that was Paul Jenkins' intention in Origin 1 and that it just wasn't spelled out and it never got followed up on and editorial didn't like it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I've always been curious if, if Paul Jenkins, when he wrote that story, meant for Sabretooth and Wolverine to be half-brothers. Now, I remember during the 90s, we all kind of thought, before Wolverine got all his memories back, there was, there was speculation that maybe Sabretooth was Wolverine's dad. And, of course, that turned out to be false. Good. 
that there were false memories implanted by the Weapon X program. And I'm glad, I'm glad he, he's not his dad, too. Half-brother might have been kind of cool, but I, I'm also okay with them not being related at all. See, so. I think the dynamic between those two, if they were half-brothers, it just gets es- escalated to a new level. Right. Just because the whole, I mean, as much as you we... You think that's bad or good? No, I think it's good. I mean, right. think of how much we love Nightcrawler because of the whole, he's angelic with the face of a demon. Think about these two, the yin and the yang, and yet they share the same blood. So they each sort of have this own, you're half of me, so why aren't you like me? Well, and regardless, I feel like Sabretooth, ever since, you know, he didn't start off, he did not start off as a Wolverine bad guy. Right? His first appearance, and really his first few appearances, he fought Iron Fist and Power Man. Wow, I don't know any of those two characters. Yeah, and it wasn't a while. It was a while before he, he kind of moved over to the X Men universe. Now he was always a mutant, but it was a while before he came into contact with the X Men. But ever since that did occur, Sabretooth has always kind of served as I'm what you would be if you gave in. Right. Like if you didn't try to have honor, you didn't try to have ethics, morals. I'm the other side of the coin of you. Right. And so regardless of whether they're related or not, that dynamic is true and awesome. Would it would it be more if they're related? Maybe. I don't know if it really matters to me personally. But Oh, I think it would be awesome. Yeah. Anyway, regardless, they're not. <laughs> but Saber Two still he just wants a friend. He wants someone to uh, play tag with at the end of the world. He wants a BFF that share, like, you know, the little heart necklaces and they each have a piece. Yes. But he's decided, he's come to the, to the conclusion that that'll never happen. Aww. So let's just kill Wolverine. Yeah. He said Wolverine kept inventing differences. Hmm. Like basically making more and more ways for them to not be the same. I like how Sabretooth kind of looks like a lion in this picture. I'm, I'm seeing Mean Girl Syndrome. <laughs> you think Sabretooth just being a bitch? I think so. <laughs> I think he's being a little diva. Yeah, he goes, like, I'm the strange one. I'm the unnatural one. Well, he don't even go by his real name. Put a pink tie on him, have him stare into the mirror. He's a total mean girl. Right. But he does have a point that Wolverine kind of covers up, even when he learned his past. Like, he didn't really change anything. I think it's kind of cool that he did it. Because he basically says, well, this is who I've been. Like, finding out who I was doesn't change who I've been. So I'm not going to change my name. Like, I'm going to go with what I've been doing. Well, yeah, it's kind of like, what is it, Ralph Waldo Emerson has that famous quote, what lies behind you and what lies in front of you pales in comparison to what lies inside of you. Right. You're welcome. I do come out with interesting tidbits. (laughs) And he basically says that, quote-unquote, Wolverine is a made-up superhero it's a lie, and he throws Wolverine down. Then to prove his point, you definitely know... And see, this part, I really don't know, because almost immediately after Origin Part 1, even if he knew, even though he knew his name, James Howlett, he still went by Logan from that point on. So the, I don't think, even if he told Sabretooth about his past, I don't know if he would have told him his real name, even back then, before he forgot it. So I'm a little curious how Sabretooth knows that his name is James. Hmm. 
I have no uh, no prize explanation for yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know. So if anybody has any insight, guess, theory, please send it in. And let's talk about it, huh? Please. He's begging. He's on his knees. It's not pretty. Yep. And so Sabretooth asks Wolverine if he wants him to end it. No, oh, and I just got to say, uh, you don't have the ads, but the art for the new Punisher series looks awesome. I'm kind of glad I don't have ads. I mean, I will admit that cover looks awesome. Yeah. But it's distracting. I guess. All right, so then we go back to the shield. Uh, some taken over virus zombies that are attacking the helicarrier. Mm-hmm. Shield has to fight back. Um What's her name? The host is winning. She is taking the virus away. What does she do? She um, She's increasing its sensitivity to human pain, and it'll be forced to leave its host and to flee this world. It's working. So is she putting other people in pain? It kind of looks like it, yeah. Let me give you a massive headache to drown out this thing living inside of you. Right. But it's working. The virus is leaving. I wonder right. if they could have just cut it short and gave everyone a Motrin. <laughs> I don't know. But Wolverine's, or I'm sorry, Sabretooth says, nah, I won't kill you just because you want it. I'm done here. I think even you now will have gotten what I've been trying to tell you. I think, boy, that I made my point. You know how ridiculous you are to kill you now. Oh, what a waste that'd be. Nah, I'll spend the next few decades watching you get old. Watching the slow onset of infirmity and dementia. I'm going to force all these people to force you into a mall just so I can laugh at you. Yeah, pretty much. That actually sounds like Sabretooth. Sounds like Mean Girls. <laughs> That's a very diva thing to do. Yeah. I'm going to get her to go to this party and dress like a costume when there's no costumes. <laughs> anyway, Sabretooth lays the sword down, tells him to enjoy it. Says, he'll come back and kill Wolverine. Don't worry, you'll still be able to know who I am. (laughs) I guess he'll keep tabs on Wolverine, basically what he's saying. And then, Sabretooth and all the bad guys teleport away, and Wolverine's away in there. Kitty Pride has an internal dialogue because she thinks Sabretooth is kind of right. She says, even with all all that he's quote-unquote changed, he had too much pride to do this the right way. And came looking for a confrontation, basically. And put these people at risk to do it. Yeah, but at the same time, okay, if she's just now coming to that realization, she's stupid. Because I'm sorry, everybody jokes about it. How he's off to, like, go sharpen his claws and, you know, slash first, think second. Right. Like, if she's just now coming to this realization, then she's just blind. (laughs) But anyway, then we can get a twist. Uh-oh, the policewoman has the virus. Her name's Kathy, by the way. And everybody seems she looks to know like it. looks kind of Kathy. <laughs> anyway, it turns out these are the last of the microverse virus left on Earth. And they tell Wolverine, they grab Wolverine by the head, which probably doesn't feel very good. Probably not. <laughs> and they tell Wolverine it's their last chance because of your so-called allies. This is the last human we're in. All our resources here for you. Logan, we heard everything. We want to make you a very generous offer. Switch off your antivirus device. 
Let us hide from the host inside you, and we'll make you better. Give me your healing factor back, and then some. All you have to do is let us hide. You can be a hero again, a whole man, everything you used to be. Well, yeah, yeah, you'd be saving us. And eventually we try to take over the world again, but it'll take a long time. Yeah, there's only like a few thousand of us now instead of a few billion of us. Right. And, you know, you'd be betraying S.H.I.E.L.D., but, you know, we respect you as an enemy, but not like this. You can't fight us like this. We want you to be able to kick our butts again later. (laughs) You're brilliant, Microverse. Be the Wolverine again. Be yourself. Just say yes. You can't protect people. You can't be a hero without us. I like how Wolverine kind of looks around. He looks, he thinks about Kitty. He thinks about Sabretooth. He thinks about the dad from the mall in issue one. And the little boy. Yeah. And he looks at Kathy and he says no. And then Kathy screams in pain and the virus is gone. Poof. Yep. And this part's kind of weird. You have the host in her machine looking kind of like Jesus. Saying, not it is finished, but basically saying, it is finished. No, she She says, says it is accomplished. accomplished. Basically the same thing. She just saved the world, after all. All right, so then Wolverine picks up the sword and breaks it over his knee. That's got to hurt. All I got to say is, thank goodness. I was so ready for this. This sword has caused me so much mental anguish. Why? Why? Because I feel like... Not to be mean, but all the Silver Samurai comics, there'll be ten of them, and they all have the same thing. Dude, you can't get the sword because you don't. You're not. You're you're not yourself. You're not owning up to it. Yeah. So I'm gonna hold on to it until you me have but wear your big boy pants. Yes, well, I think, but this is pretty symbolic and an awesome panel, by the way. It is very awesome. That Wolverine saying, "I I don't deserve this. I I haven't like basically saying Sabretooth was right. I have not lived up to who I'm trying to be." And so he breaks the sword saying he has, like he's lost his honor, kind of. I'm going to call it and say that at some point, some magical being is going to stick that sword back together. Well, maybe it'll be the Watcher. The giant toga-wearing baby. Yep. So he, he sees Wolverine breaking the sword, and Kitty, I think, sees the Watcher. Remember Nick Fury Jr. didn't, right? Right, but we thought he was controlled by the microverse. Yeah, either that or you only looked with the watcher was on the side with the eye patch. But Kitty looks pretty worried, like she knows the watcher being there is a big deal. But then we go back to the Jean Grey school and we have Deathbird or is it Warbird? I never remember. We have Storm and we have Beast. And they say that Storm wants to run out, but Beast says, Wait, Kitty said he was unhinged and he's all super bandaged up as he walks in. And Storm says, Wolverine, what happened? What's going on? And this art looks really, really cool. Uh, kudos again to Alan Davis and Mark Farmer. I, I like the colors a lot on this last page inside yeah. the base. Well, they're very muted. It looks very, very Star Wars. Well, actually, I think it's more significant of what Wolverine is about to say. You know, we go from something that's slightly colorful to something very muted. I think he's trying to set the tone that something right. very sad is about to happen. Yes. So anyway, Storm says, Wolverine, what is going on? And Wolverine obviously pauses. 
And he looks at Storm and says, the Wolverine is dead now. And he walks off with his head down. The end. Thank goodness. I actually quite enjoyed this issue. I'm glad you did. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I thought it was a very satisfying ending to the story arc. I didn't. I thought it redeemed the virus part of the story. I didn't. Yeah, it totally did. No, it didn't. Yeah, because they made Wolverine make a really tough choice. Because, yeah, Wolverine doesn't get his healing factor back. He doesn't die, but he stays killable, and he had to choose to do that. And the choice was, you know, have become what you were or stay broken. And he chose to stay broken to, even, even with all the stuff Sabretooth said, and even what Kitty's saying, he's kind of right. And Wolverine, even afterwards, saying, well, yeah, he's kind of right. That's why he broke the sword. Even all that, his actions prove that he wasn't completely right. That there is still honor and a hero in Wolverine. Because he didn't do the selfish thing. Even when presented with the chance to be who he's supposed to be, to have his power back, like he chose no. That I'm instead I'm I just won't be a hero anymore. Again, because I'm he glad can't you like be. It. I mean he can't he can't be the X-Man he was and do all the things he's done anymore. And he could have had he accepted their offer. Yeah, but at the same time, okay, it, you even admitted Wolverine has always been like, you know what, what happened in my past doesn't change me. And yet he's making a choice to be changed. Like, he's basically saying no, because Sabretooth said, you're always going to do this. No, he's saying no, because he, he knows it's the right thing to do. I think he's just being chicken. I think he's being heroic. I think he's being a chicken. I think... I think even in his brokenness, he's not willing to let the virus survive to benefit himself. I don't know. I have issues with the whole virus living in you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's kind of dumb. But I thought them coming into the lady at the end and, and basically offering... Kind of giving Wolverine the fork in the road, and that was a was the best possible way they could conclude the virus story. All right, you so know that Team that, Jason and Team Denise. That saying, "Don't say anything if you don't have anything nice to say." This is a podcast. No one ever has anything nice to say. I I hate I hated the series. Okay, I was super excited. I thought it was really well. So I guess so. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the series overall. Are you gonna let me talk? I am right now. Okay. I'm waiting for you to say something. Of course you are. Yeah, so go ahead. I was waiting. I'm just waiting for you (laughs) to say whatever you're going to say, but you just, you won't, you won't say it. I won't say anything? No, you're you're sitting over there. I'm just sitting over here. Yep. Waiting for some time to say something. Yeah. Yeah. All right, go go ahead, please. I hated this series. Please just say what you want to say. I am saying what I want to say. I I just, I couldn't stand this series. I'm sorry. I know it was my very first one. (laughs) It was the first one I ever read, and there were one or two that I was excited about, but for overall, oh my gosh, this just sucked. It... (laughs) I'm sorry if anyone out there loves it and is jumping up and down and shaking their head and thinking, how could I think that? Well, that's okay, because I'll be the opposite. That's fine. You, y'all can love Jason and hate on me. I don't care. I just, I felt like they threw out a whole 
bunch of stuff and never resolve certain things about I felt like well, you know what it resolved. was? You know what it was? The stupid people bleeding into the incubator. They were gonna make a bomb. Well with what? With Their the, blood? Yeah, the virus is in the blood. And no, it's yes. stupid. I didn't say it's great, but it makes sense. No, it doesn't. Yes, yes it does. How, okay, let me ask this. If they need blood, or if it, if you, wait, no, a, listen to me, listen to me. If you can, tra if the only way to transfer is to have blood splattered on you. No, it's not the only way. Okay, well, why aren't they just flying around? Why do they need an incubator? Why do they have to, like, cut slit wrists and dump? Anyway, I'm, oh, <laughs> I felt, I felt like I was watching an episode. I felt like I was reading an episode of The Simpsons where Bart's like, Mom, the dog got hit by a car. Oh, look, I can do wheelies on my skateboard. Oops, I ran into a tree and broke my leg. Uh-oh. And then you, there will the, be no more negative speech about The Simpsons. The, the, no, I just, I mean, that's. If you watch The Simpsons, you know what you start off with is not nowhere near. The first 10 minutes has absolutely nothing right. to do with the story. And then the family guy copied that. Right. Derivative. Funny, but derivative. So at the same time, that's what I felt like this whole series was. We're going to throw out like 10 or so um, comics and then we're just going to change directions. I thought the series had its ups and downs. More downs than ups. I thought overall it was pretty good. I still mostly hate the virus until the end of this issue. I always hated the virus. I still don't think it's a cool way for Wolverine to lose his power. No, it's a weenie way. But I liked the twist at the end. I didn't like it. You already had your chance. I'm just interjecting. <laughs> Side commentary. Uh-huh. Subliminal messaging. You didn't and like I think it regardless either. of what you think about the plot. You didn't like it either. You cannot argue yes, that you Paul can. Cornell did great characterization on Wolverine. Eh. No, can't argue. I can even go back and play audio of where you agreed with that. All right. He did good <laughs> there. That's it. Anyway, um, I thought the series overall mm -hmm. started really well, ended really well, and kind of went up and down in the middle. No, it just went down. All right, so Wolverine 13, the end of a series. Thank goodness. What's she going to grade it? Am I grading the comic or the whole minutes. series? Just the comic. I'll give it three out of six. Three out of six, okay. I have a couple of minor quibbles. I'm still not sure about Sabretooth knowing Wolverine's personal details of his history. I'm still not sure. I mean, his kitty's with him. So that and means she's a dumbass this that had thinks to, No, that means this had to take place before Battle of the Atom. But I get the sense from the last page that Wolverine's kind of given up on being Wolverine. Yet in Battle of the Atom, yes, he had lost his healing factor, but he was still pretty gung-ho Wolverine. So there's a little bit of continuity question mark there. I'm, I'm curious to see what he does in the next series with this kind of dejected, I'm not Wolverine anymore Wolverine. Like, I'm very... My curiosity is very peaked. I'm very intrigued. If he becomes a weenie, I'm going to punch him through the microphone. No. And there's all kinds of, of rumors and speculation all across the board about the next series. This issue, Wolverine number 13, is not perfect, but I thought it was really good. 
even in this issue, the virus part in the middle was still stupid. But at the end, it was good. It's always stupid. Uh, I'm going to give Wolverine number 13 five out of six claws. Oh, you gave it that many? I almost gave it six. What? Yeah. You're sleeping on the sofa. <laughs> You're sleeping on the sofa. Anyway, so yeah, that wraps up Wolverine, a very obviously controversial book. Obviously. Yeah. So We're a house divided. A house divided. We're so. a snick snack. <laughs> Fatty whack, give the dog a bone. Max already uh, had his. He's waiting over there sleeping. Anyway, so that's Wolverine. So... Until the next series starts over with another Wolverine number one. This one is done. Thank goodness. The claws are in. Thank goodness. Whatever. (laughs) Okay, so what's next, Denise? Next, we have Savage Wolverine, Wrath, Part 1. Issue number 14. Oh, yeah, I guess I should have said that, huh? (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. Uh, This one, the art and story is by Richard Eisenhoff. Good. I say eyes and nose, but I don't know which one's right. Yeah. I just, I, we've been working with Ethan on spelling. Whenever there's a long E, it makes the, and whether it's a silent E at the end, it makes the vowel long. So, right now that's not true in every language. And I have a feeling Eisenhoff or Eisenhoff is not an English name. I don't think so either. So. Letterer is VC's Corey Bennett. Woohoo! We'll be award winner. Cover art is by Richard Eisenhoff. So what's on the cover? So the cover is uh, Wolverine in the snow backlit in his shadow. What's he backlit by? He's backlit by a car. Headlights, yeah. Yeah, he's in the forest and he's got some bloody claws trailing. And his shadow is actually his Wolverine costume. Yeah, he's not in costume. No. He's in a wide feeder and jeans. Out in the cold. Yeah. Well, he's got a healing factor. Yeah. But yes, his shadow is um, foreshadowing, symbolism, whatever, of his costume. I like this cover a lot. Uh, uh, I got some proportion issues. With what? And the way his legs are bent, his shadow bends, and whatnot. Yeah. Okay, I think it's a great cover. However... Little spoiler, I was disappointed in the art on the inside. Okay. But that's just me. It's not my forte. And so I felt like there were times where I was picking it apart more than reading the story. So let's move on. Yeah, so what happens in this one? So basically the mounted police come along to... The the Mounties! Yes, the Mounties in Ontario in 1933... Stumble upon this vehicle that has a tarp over it. One of the Mounties is like, hey, look, this is contraband. Pulls the tarp back, there's a barrel. My question is, how do they know that what's in the barrel is contraband? Because nobody ever tastes it. Well, it's not monkeys. Yeah. And it's not fish for them to shoot. So basically, they decide, we're going to hang around here. All the things you typically find in a barrel. Yeah. So basically, they decide they're going to hang out because, you know, whoever's coming for it, this is obviously during Prohibition, will come for it and they'll find their smugglers. So lo and behold, out from the tree line comes Wolverine, or I should say Logan. Yes. So, of course, they spot each other. They pursue. Logan's going through the forest. He gets to the end of a cliff. 
and he decides, I'm going in. And they, they think they've got him trapped. Yeah, well, because one I mean, mounted police went one way, another yeah. one went the other way. And they basically say, it's over, just surrender. So Logan dives off the cliff into some water. And at this point, the mounted police just say, man, prohibition was almost over. He would only had two months of you know, prison time. Now he's dead. There's no way he could have survived the jump. Needless to say, the ice cold water. So they kind of give up on the fact that Logan has jumped into the water. But lo and behold, Logan comes out on the other side. If the Mounties would just turn around, they'd see him. Yep. <laughs> uh, so Logan walks back to this car, asks the guy for a ride. And we find out they know each other. Logan was actually bringing the guy the barrels of moonshine. Yeah. And they kind of go back and forth. Ask, well, Logan asks how his family's doing. Yes. This is our uh, casting call of the issue. Where we basically find out every kid's name and yep. their little backstory. And then his wife died and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then, so I'm a little confused. It says, you know, they ask how Vicky is doing, and he's as good as one can hope, that consumption. That's the old disease. What is it a disease from? I'll have to Google it. I don't remember what exactly. Okay. Anyway, apparently that's the same disease took his wife. Um, they head back to the old store. It looks like he's running a five and dime. Logan decides he's going to grab a lollipop and go to the back. It goes to the back. There's some tables and chairs. He's bringing the barrels in. What is consumption? Tuberculosis. Ah, okay. Uh, they kind of joke. The barkeep and Wolverine. Now, little backstory. Wolverine has said, hey, I got to stay with you for a couple of days because the law is on my tail. So they've right. decided. To that, lay low. Yeah, they, so they've decided Wolverine's going to lay low with him. So they're sharing a drink. And all of a sudden, the guy's kids come home. They're all excited to see each other. Time to do your homework. Kids leave. And oops, there's another knock at the door. And I could not figure out, were these guys supposed to be French or German? On the, at the very end, the guy, the boss guy calls them Frenchy. Okay, because at one point, he does say Sacre Bleu, so... Anyway, you got some three French guys who say, hey, we find out you've been selling some stuff. So basically, you got two choices. Option number one, you stop selling and you pay us retribution. Or you only buy your stuff from us. And basically, Logan says, well, there's a third option. And the guy goes, it is, but it's a noisy one. And they open the barn door and there's a bunch of guys with Tommy guns. Yep. So the Tommy guns start shooting off. The barkeep gets hit in the neck. And out comes, I will say, this is a pretty damn cool snit. I was, I was going to actually uh, nominate this one. Yeah. Our first nomination for a snit of the year. This is a pretty cool snit. I mean, there's a whole year left, so it may get buried. But Possibly. I'd like for it to be the first nomination. Yeah. Do you, do you agree? I agree. Okay. Wolverine pops his claws. Oh, describe, yeah, describe it a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Wolverine... As he's jumping, pops double claws, which bone claws. bone claws, and of course the word snicked is behind him. Right. In fact, it would have been even cooler if his body made the eye of snicked. Uh, yeah. Just saying. Uh, they shoot Wolverine. He falls out of the air. Out That's of the air. Cool he falls down. Frenchie says, "That's enough." <laughs> The barkeep, Logan, my kids, take care of my... And obviously the barkeep dies. 
Wolverine gets up, says, you damn people should have left when you could. And he leaps at one of the guys. And I think one of the guys he's leaping at is like, wait, I'm not done. I haven't loaded. <laughs> right. And Wolverine just rips him apart. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Then Frenchie says, Sacre Bleu, what is this? And he throws a grenade. What does Sacre Bleu mean? I think it kind of means Sacred like. Sacre Bleu? Well, I think it's there. Yeah, kind of like a, oh God, or a holy. It's their version. It's just, yeah, translated. It's holy blue. Okay. Holy blue, Batman. Anyway, the grenade goes off. Barkeep's down. Wolverine is down. Some of the Tommy guys are down. So Frenchie says, hey, grab our people and let's just leave. Then they hear a cough. Uh-oh, there are the kids. Uh-oh. In the Who's here? <laughs> so they go back there and they decide, take the pretty one and leave the ugly one. Well, no, he says the one with tuberculosis. She's a cougher, uh, a lunger, he calls it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't he know says, what that was yeah, either. Yeah, leave her the rest we can put to work. So the brother comes home. What happened? And, oh, my goodness, they took Sophia. So they go, the kids go in the back. They see the dad laying on the ground. They see Wolverine laying on the ground. Wolverine reaches up and grabs the kid's foot. They carry Wolverine, I guess, back into the house or into a yeah. bedroom. Uh, some, a room with a bed somewhere, yeah. Yeah. And so basically the kids have all decided Wolverine's just, he's gone. He's going to die. There's nothing they can do to help him. Half his face is blown off. While the girl is, which... Right, I, so the boys leave. The, the girl boys, tries to stay strong. Right. Which I have to say, this panel, the top panel, where it's the girl sitting in a chair and Wolverine kind of laying on the bed and half his face is sort of pulled away and you, you can, can see, see his, his teeth. teeth. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, pretty cool panel. Kind of terminatory. Yeah. So the girl's all sidetracked. What is she going to do? She needs to be the leader of the family, but she's only 16 and yeah. she's sick and she doesn't have a whole lot of energy. Yeah, so and she then she kept a strong face right after the boys leave. She kind of breaks down. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Wolverine is like, well, let's go bring your sister back. And she's like, but, uh, so then they travel to Minneapolis, Minnesota, the boys and Wolverine, or I should say it's only one boy. It's the older boy. Yeah. It's the son and Wolverine. Yeah. And he basically, the, you know, the kid says, hey, let me go with you. I got a gun. And Wolverine says, no, stay here because I'm going to need a getaway driver. Right. So Wolverine goes around the back. He obviously takes somebody out because they're now in a dumpster. And there's two guards standing by a door in a dumpster. Yeah. And then Wolverine walks into the place and there's two legs sticking out of the dumpster. Yes. Now, so did you notice that Wolverine's hairdo, when his shadow, it looks like the devil? I mean, it's just his hairdo, but yeah, I, I like the symbolism. Well, I kind of like the foreshadowing. He's about to go give these guys some evil. Yep. So he kind of sneaks in the back, and then he can smell Frenchie because Frenchie needs to lay off the cologne. <laughs> he goes in the door and says, I've come for the girl. And then we've got Frenchie, some tall guy whose name is... Marion. Marion. He's got long white hair. And it looks like he's been uh, giving this guy in the chair a heart massage. Something. And then there's a girl on the floor, and she appears to also be a little bloody. Uh, yeah, supposed, is that supposed to be Sophia or no? I could not tell. I think that's what they're trying to say, but well, I'm not 100% sure. Long. 
No, I think it's the right length, actually. Oh, is it? I think so. Sophia's hair um, is... Let's go back to where I meet all the kids. I don't remember. It's oh, about yeah, shoulder right. length. Yeah. And it's blonde and straight. Yeah, yeah it could be. So Definitely. I think that that's supposed to be her. Yeah. So anyway, Frenchie tells Marion, that's the guy I blew up. The guy with the claws. And uh, Marion says, seems you're right, Frenchie. He is hard to kill. We'll have to see to that. Yep. To be continued. So first off, let's talk about art. Let's do this. I think we might be a little bit different on this one. Yeah, I can't stand it. I didn't okay. like it. I thought it was cool. And let me say why. I think why, why I like it is not my favorite art. I think there are parts of it that can be cleaner. I think stylistically, the art fits the piece. I will agree with that one. All right? This is an old story. Well, I mean, it's a story set in the past. There's also a very noir story. Yes. And kind of a pulpy story. And this art is very reminiscent of old pulpy art and noir like crime novel pictures and comics. And so in that regard, I'm assuming he's doing that on purpose. And he's trying to make it reminiscent of uh, just a hard-boiled noir story. So in that sense, I like what it reminds me of. And I like the way it kind of fits. Because the story is definitely, it's, it's very, I don't want to, I feel like I'm saying the same things over and over again. But it's very kind of hard-boiled. It's very like old Sketchy. crime. Sketchy, yeah. Yeah. Luckily, it's not too much. And Wolverine's not going around saying, well, I found a dame at the club, see? And Yeah. <laughs> and that was the night I knew my number was up. You know what I mean? He's avoiding the, like, the narrative cliches. Right. But it's the same kind of story. It kind of reminds me, I think you chose not to watch it because it was a little too violent. And I only watched part of it when we were getting ready to go to dinner in Jamaica. Uh, Lawless came on. Didn't watch it. Yeah, you, you were in the room, but I think you went and took a shower. <laughs> it was with uh, Shia LaBeouf, LaDouche. Yes, and, I uh, do remember because he... They were moonshiners. Yes. It was kind of the same situation. A guy from the city came and said, you know what, hey, here you've been doing moonshine without our permission. You either got to pay up or shut down. It was kind of the same kind of story. But if this ripped that off, that also ripped a whole bunch of other stuff off. So it's not... Right. I mean, it's a real common... Well, and I'm sure... The typical bootleg mafia story. Yeah, but I'm also... I mean, it... It's been proven, and there's historical facts, that this was a common occurrence. Yes. Where, you know, one moonshiner was always trying to push out the other moonshiner. Yeah, and then when the the big guns in the city got involved, it all kind of went to hell. Right. Yeah. So, I like the story in that sense because it's very feasible. And it does seem like something Wolverine would partake in. I did think it was interesting that right off the bat, I mean, Wolverine's technically He's a, a bootlegger. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, Prohibition was stupid, and it should have never been outlawed, and these guys shouldn't have been considered criminals, but it was against the law. Right. And he is a criminal. And I think it's funny that they go kind of out of the way to make Elias, or Elias, I don't know how you say that, his buddy who he's moonshining with or, or running, the, running the hooch with, they go out of the way to show what a good family guy he is, 
how he just fell on hard times and this was a way to kind of claw out of that. Yeah, but I think what they're trying to say is is that instead of, ooh, you're breaking the law, it's it's more of these are normal people. Yes. Like, but I also think it's important because they don't want to paint Wolverine as a straight-up villain. So the guy he's breaking the law with has to have, like, a moral gray area reason for why he's breaking the law in the first place. See, I, I beg to differ. I think the fact that this guy has a family, I think this is backstory to supporting why Wolverine in present day is so, and I'm going to say paranoid, about losing the kids at the Jean Grey school. Because yeah, I think, yeah. you know, over the course of years, yes, you know, you could argue, well, these are kids and he's going to lose, he lost the elephant and now he's losing this. And But I think it goes he to lost show. lost the Right, you know, that every time Wolverine cares about something, he loses it. And it's funny because I hate to make this correlation, but it just occurred to me, he's kind of like a Harry Potter. So in the Harry Potter series, every time Harry Potter gets attached to a father figure, that figure dies. And while it sucks, it builds him into the character that he needs to be. And so while it sucks... Wolverine loses all these kids along the way and all these people that he called family so that at present day, he's that much more paranoid about losing the kids. That's a valid point as well. Anything else you want to talk about? I don't think it's out of the realm that... So I don't think Wolverine sees himself as a criminal. No, when it he comes just to wants to drink. Yeah, he just I wants... Just, a couple of good one-liners because I got to drive to another county to get the next drink. Well, he's like... Is one drink make my bartender sappy? <laughs> yeah. I didn't think it was funny that Wolverine is the one that says, Bub, I got a third option in mind. Not thinking that the third option is going to get his friend killed. Yeah. Well, and that also goes to show Wolverine just kind of assumes he's a regular badass and is going to take everybody down. Yeah, and that even carries over to today, too. Like He hasn't learned <laughs> no. to not go off half-cocked. But to be quite honest, I mean, when someone is that old, I mean, even as adults, we sometimes do the same mistakes over and over again. And and each time we think to ourselves, oh, you think I would have learned my lesson? Yeah. And and we haven't. And And I think it's funny because, you know, with Ethan as a kid, it's like, Ethan, did you brush your teeth? No, go brush your teeth. Like, how many times am I going to have to ask him? Is he going to be like 25? Ethan, go brush your teeth. Probably. (laughs) But it's just that human nature. Like, oh, I'll learn my lesson next time. Then the next time comes, oh, I guess I should have remembered that. Okay. So, uh, when you want to grade Savage Wolverine number 14? I'll give it four out of six. Okay. What are you going to grade it? You know, it's funny, I'm the one that defended the art. I do think it's a, a very good kind of, use my phrase again, hard-boiled noir story. I think it's very good at what it does. But? That is not really my favorite kind of story. <laughs> so I'm going to give this, I thought it was well done for what it is, and it's just not really my favorite comics to read. So I'm going to give this three out of six claws. I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. I want to see what happens next, kind of, I guess. Eh. Yeah. Alright, cool, let's move on. Okay, next up we have a new segment, Avengers Corner. This is gonna be I'm gonna kinda just lump whatever Avengers books we have for the episode all together, whether it's Avengers 
or Uncanny Avengers, or in this case, Just What the World Needed, a new Avengers book. Okay, so Yet I, another one. I have an Avengers question. Okay. How come Wolverine's an Avenger, but none of the other X-Men are? No, some of them are. So what, they like take a test and they're smarter than the rest of them? No, it's just, usually it was story-based at any given time. Yeah, but Wolverine carries around his Avengers card. Yeah. So it's like a driver's license. You pass a test and you become an Avenger. <laughs> I don't think there's a test, no. I think the test is your moral upstanding, proven adventuring or whatever. So do X-Men have X-Men cards? I don't think so, no. So they're not as cool as Avengers. Are Avengers the wannabes? <laughs> I don't know. Do you yeah. like all these random questions anyway, I'm so throwing have, out we, at you? We have a new Avengers book because there weren't enough. I will say X-Men have cooler outfits. Well, I'm more of an X-Men guy than an Avengers guy. I've made no secret about that. But I do like the Avengers too. Anyway, we have a new Avengers book. Do we? Called Avengers World. And we're going to look at Avengers World number one. And this is written by Jonathan Hickman and Nick Spencer. With art by Stefano Caselli and colors by Frank Martin. Letters are Joe Caramagna and Chris Eliopoulos. And the cover is by John Cassidy and Laura Martin. And on this cover we have all the Avengers. And a very Avengers Assemble type pose. Yeah, it's very uh, hero-esque. Yes. Though uh, Cassidy's Captain America doesn't look like a pudgy old man like he has been in Uncanny Avengers. This Hulk looks pretty cool, I guess. I don't really like the suit, but that's part of his storyline right now. We have Thor. Uh, Spider-Woman looks... Chunky? Not (laughs) chunky. Almost like a female wrestler. She's China. In disguise. Yes, that's who she looks like, yeah. And then Iron Man is flying, pumping both fists. Then we have Captain Universe and our man Wolverine down in the corner. Kind of bummed Wolverine gets the corner. Yeah, well, you know, it's not entirely his book. All right, so what's going on? This is uh, Denise's first ever, right, Avengers comic to read? Yep. Yeah. And some of you are laughing at home because you're like, you made her first Avengers comic be a Jonathan Hickman book? He's confusing. Why would you do that to her? Well, you know. he's sadistic. It's just how it played out. But the general gist is that... I will say, you, you, you told me, before you read this, talk to me. Right. And what did I do? You read it without talking to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, the gist is we just had our major Marvel event, Infinity where Thanos and Jonathan Hickman's main Avenger bad guys, the Builders and the Ex-Neos and the A-Lifts and all those guys, tried to take over the galaxy and the world. Are they giant toga-wearing babies too? No. Oh. And the Avengers basically, some stayed on Earth, some went into space. And at the end of it, they basically declared, kind of what this guy's talking about here at the beginning, that everybody needs to leave the Earth alone and is under the Avengers' protection. So you come over here, you better bring your big boy pants because we're going to rough you up. Okay. All right, so we have the helicarrier and we have Captain America and Bruce Banner arguing about uh, press conferences and stuff like that. And then there's some major catastrophic events. There's a big storm. Thor 
Hyperion, boo, and Captain Marvel go to fix the situation. Captain Marvel's a girl? She is now, yeah. She have a change? She used to be Miss Marvel. Now she's Captain. She got promoted. Oh, it wasn't like <laughs> Captain Marvel was a man and now he's a woman? No, there was a Captain Marvel that was a man. But he's dead or gone or somewhere. I don't know. But Mrs. Marvel is now Captain Marvel. Anyway, they come to rescue the storm. Then Magipore is burning. And of course, one of our he- what hero would go to Magipore, but Wolverine. Of course. So this is where we get our Wolverine appearance. Wolverine, Black Widow, and Falcon have come to check out Magipore and um, Shang-Chi. Show off her boobs. Yes. Oh, that's what zippers are for. Like I say, I'm, I really enjoy Caselli's art. I'm a Caselli fan. He used to do some G.I. Joe stuff. This so, could seem like him a lot. G.I. Joe-ish. What? The art could what? seem G.I. Joe-ish. Yeah, no, it worked really well. So Shang Li, Shang-Chi, what's his name? Kung Fu fist guy. Shang-Chi, yeah. He disappeared. So then we go to a place in Italy with Star Brand, Boo, Hawkeye, uh... I don't remember this guy's name. Is he in the? They have the roster in the front. Night Mask and Spider Woman are investigating a town where everybody disappeared, and they find this giant cube with purple circles. And Starbrand tries to touch it because he's a moron, and he gets attacked by little tendrils, and they lose contact. So they decide they're going to send Smasher and Cannonball and Sunspot to X Men. Oh or former X-Men, to go investigate, uh, I guess, the lost contact, right? No, AIM Island. They're going to go investigate. Got too fast. They're going to go investigate AIM Island. So back in Madripoor, we find out that Gorgon is now leading this part of the hand, which kind of conflicts with what's going on in the X-Universe. But I don't even know who Gorgon is. Gorgon is an old Avengers guy, and then Wolverine killed him, but I guess... Didn't stay dead. Hmm. Um, and they're doing some kind of magic stuff. And there's an earthquake. You can tell because everybody gets blurry. And it turns out that Madripoor, there's an old legend that the island was built on the back of a great dragon. It turns out the legend is based on reality. As we see the island of Madripoor rise up and it's on the head of a giant dragon. I almost thought, who are the little beasties? At the Jean Grill, Jean Grey. Oh, Krakoa's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It does. It is kind of Krakoa-ish. Are they Krakoa's or is it really a dragon? And they just called the Krakoa a dragon because they didn't know what else to call it. I don't know. That's a good question. A good theory. So I wonder how pissed this dragon is. I don't know. Gorgon just woke him up and he's breathing fire already, or starting to. So it turns out the uh, our Avengers in Italy found the city of the dead underneath the city in Italy, and then Smasher and Cannonball and Sunspot arrive at arrive at Aim Island. But Aim Island has evolved; it's gotten bigger and better. And there's a super Aim robot dude, and he says and kind of mocks the Avengers. This world is ours, you said. It falls under our protection, you said. Remember that now, as I take it from you, to be continued. Alright, so what did you think of your first Avengers comic? She just stared at me and blinked. <laughs> <laughs> like a cartoon. I fell 
like there was a ton of crap going on. I had no idea. Hickman is a very complicated, sometimes, sometimes I I have a love-hate relationship with Jonathan Hickman. Felt like I needed a dry erase board. Sometimes, yes, <laughs> need a flow chart. Sometimes I really like him, and sometimes I think he's a little pretentious. I thought this was pretty good. There's definitely, like, we're seeing, I mean, he's trying to cast, right, this idea that the, the world is under threat. The Avengers have to, like, stay home and take care of everything. And I like all the different teams running around investigating all these different mysteries and or disasters. And then Captain America kind of on the Helen Carrier, like, I, mean, I love Captain America fighting, I also thought it was cool that he was kind of up, like... Directing. Yeah. Coordinating all the strategery. I guess the only part I enjoyed was when they were in Magipore, because I knew what Magipore was. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what Italy is. Yeah. <laughs> what about AIM Island? AIM Island. All right. So AIM is Advanced Idea Mechanics, and it's basically a bunch of evil super scientists. That live on an island. They had an island, yeah. And people just let them live there. Well, after a certain point, they kept getting uh, bought by the Avengers without, I guess, due process. So they were eventually granted immunity. As long as they stayed on the island. Yeah, pretty much. And and quit committing crimes. And so they pretty much just stayed on the island and did research. And whatever crimes they did, they weren't. couldn't follow the trail back to them. So the Avengers kind of had to leave them alone. But now the island is evolving. And I guess the Avengers aren't going to take for that. Now, I'm wondering why they just, like, attack it. That kind of seems to go in the face of what's going on in Avengers Assemble right now. They didn't really attack it. They were going to check it out. Something came up and attacked them. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess so. I guess they were still in neutral airspace or whatever when the AIM robot shot his chest ray. Yeah, I thought the art was really good. I liked the little missions. Yeah, anything else you want to talk about? The only characters I knew was uh, Bruce Banner. You know Bruce Banner. He's the Hulk. Yeah, Captain America. You know Captain America. You know Wolverine, obviously. Uh You know Iron Man. Iron Man wasn't in this. That's what I thought was interesting. (laughs) He's on the cover, but he's not in it. He wasn't, was he? Speaking speaking of being in the cover, not in the issue, in Fantastic Four 16, which came out, and I'm not reading because everything I've heard has been going to w- stay away from this book, including the artist saying, I'm not enjoying this book. I'm going to go do something else. Okay. Yeah, but it's by Matt Fraction and Mark Bagley. Anyway, Wolverine is on the cover, but I, I looked. He's not in the book, so I didn't buy it. We won't talk about it. But he is on the cover, so I just want to recognize so no one can say, Hey, Wolverine was on the cover of Fantastic Four. How can we didn't talk about it? Because he's not on the inside. That's right. And it's what's on the inside that counts. That's right. Yes. All right, so I guess Iron Man's not in here. You know Black Widow, right? No. No? No? You know Thor? In theory. Okay. Well, these are people you can get to know. These are these are characters. Some of these guys I don't. I wish weren't Avengers. <laughs> I knew Maria right. Hill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. And there ends my list of who I know. Fair enough. But did you... Did you like the characters? They were new. Did you did you care for them? No, I thought they were all dorky. Okay. I don't know when people have things that glow on their chest or they I don't have like, no I don't legs. like Star Brand at all. Well, and who's I, the guy with the moon on his forehead? Night Mask. Um. All right. So he was like supposed to be the new Adam on Mars, 
when the builders came and started trying to bring Mars back to life. And what, he couldn't find Eve? No, and the Avengers stopped him. Oh. And But he came back and became an Avenger. So Smasher is in the, she's a Shi'ar warrior. Uh-huh. Alien race. You know Hawkeye, right? Nope. Hyperion's a stupid Superman knockoff. I hate him. Falcon's cool. He's an old partner of Captain America. He has little wings. I, I think it's kind of dumb that he can talk to birds, but I like him anyway. But he can talk to birds because he has wings. Yeah. Right? Makes perfect <laughs> sense. Uh, Spider-Woman started off as Spider-Man, but a girl. But she actually has different powers. Uh, her parents were S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, and then she worked for Hydra, and she can release pheromones to influence people. Kind of like the uh, the lady in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. who's collecting people for centipede. Uh, she can kind of manipulate people. Oh, is that what they're trying to tell you? I, I haven't. I think so, yeah. I haven't uh, She can also shoot venom blast and sting you. Spider-Woman or the girl in the... Spider-Woman. Okay. No, no, Spider-Woman. Um, Cannonball I love. Um, he's okay. an old X-Man and he can basically turn himself into a cannonball. He can put he, stuff in your cannon. He can rock in himself away. Um, so the spot, he's okay. He's an old X-Man. He looks cool. Uh, Starbrand I hate. Shang-Chi, I don't care for. And Captain Marvel. Everybody's been raving about her new series. I'm pretty so-so on her. So there you go. All right, so uh, what are you going to grade this book? Avengers World number one. I'll give it four out of six. I feel like we had a completely different experience that we're going to have exactly the same grade. (laughs) I expected your grade to be much lower. (laughs) Well, I enjoyed the art a whole lot. Art was great, yeah. And so I kind of got tied up in the art. Yeah, fair enough. And it is a number one, so I can't, and I'm new. Okay, so you gave it some slack. Yeah, I gave myself a handicap. All right, cool. Well, so I guess we both give Avengers World number one four out of six claws. Okay, so next up we have Where's Logan? And we basically have three books to talk about. Um, We have All New X Factor number one. We have The Superior Spider-Man number 25. We have A Plus X number 16. So Denise is going to talk about all-new X-Factor number one first. So all-new X-Factor number one. It's written by Peter David. Uh-huh. Artist Carmen. Um, I'm going to say <laughs> Dijon Domenico. We're going to go with that. Okay. That's my best guess. Okay. Lee Lair- Luffridge. Luffridge. Letterer B.C.'s What does Lee Luffridge do? He's the colorist. I said colorist Lee Luffridge. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I, I said it first. Listen. I said it first. Take the wax out of your ears. What's the matter, kid? You, you got away, wax in your ears. You took away BC's quarry pettits. Woohoo! Oh, you know you're saying it, so I have to woohoo. Oh, letterer. BC's quarry pettit. Woohoo. No. It's all wrong. <laughs> all wrong. Right. Cover artist is Chris and Anka. Anka and, and Jared Fletcher. Yeah, and production design, I don't really know what that means, is Manny Medeiros. Good job, Manny, with whatever you do. Yes. So on the cover We have our new X Factor team. It's really yellow. <laughs> it's very yellow. Um, one of the things I noticed right off the bat is we got some new uniforms going on. Yes. 
And they're not Puma. No. They're Serval. Yeah. I guess how you say that? Spanish. It's a kind of cat. It's an African cat. Oh, it's an African cat. According to the inside of the comic. You're right. I mixed up. Uh Uh-huh. Did you read this comic? Did you do your homework? Nope. Mm-hmm. Of course I read it. I read everything. But we have Gambit and Quicksilver and... Polaris and or Polaris. Yes. Depending on what part of the country you're from. All right, this guy, I don't think he's actually in the comic, that Cypher. Okay. And this is our mystery member. I'm pretty sure... We're in the Spoilers if you haven't looked online. Pretty sure it's going to be danger. He's wearing a thriller's jacket. Thriller. <laughs> kind of, but Thriller. with a hood. Yeah. I like, my, probably my favorite part about the cover is that in the corner, bottom corner, it's almost like it's an ad. Yes. It's like sponsored by Serval Industries. Well, and I also like the tagline, we specialize in helping people. Yeah. And I think it's weird because the cat's a Serval, but you can also re- interpret it as we serve all. Like we serve every, like it kind of goes with their tagline. Right. So, uh, did you like this cover besides all the yellow? I did like this cover a whole lot. I did too. The only thing I didn't like about it, and Chris Anka kind of has like, it reminds me of the old Robotech cartoon, or like Voltron. And Gambit's face looks very Japanimation to me. Yes, it does. And um, there are several parts inside of it that seem a little Japanimation. Oh, he doesn't do the inside. Oh, okay. But, um, you know, the only part I kind of hate about the cover is that, Polaris's massive receding hairline kind of bothers me. I'm going to let that one go as it's just a weird wind. <laughs> but but it, hair's like way back up on her forehead. Well, yes. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't, she's got weird hair to begin with. Okay. I mean, it's green, babe. True. It is green. All right, let's move on to the inside. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get in there. So we've got two scientists that are kind of jaw-jacking back and forth. We don't really know where they are. An undisclosed location. That's right. And so basically they decide, you know what? We're going to leave and we find out that there's someone else. Yeah, a naked booty rat. Naked booty rat. And they basically say, um, don't worry. Like, this is for the greater good. Yeah. After the person threatened to kill them. Yeah. And then they discuss which Starbucks they're going to go to. <laughs> and apparently, yeah. spoiler, Starbucks is a... I, I think Starbucks has given them some money under the table. Maybe. Or they just go there a whole lot. Yeah, you would think it would be like Buckstar or yeah. Star Brew or something. Right. In, you know, in the Mar- or it's actually Starbucks. Corner Coffee Shop. Right. Yeah. Anyway, of course, we know that a, the naked booty rat will come back to bite these scientists in the ass. Of course. Of course. So then we, we move on. Meanwhile, elsewhere. Yeah. Here's Gambit flying through the air, trying to avoid With all the these little... the greatest of ease. That's right. Uh, trying to avoid all these little laser beams. Not quite as uh, hot as Catherine Zeta-Jones doing it in Entrapment. No. I've never seen that. Really? Yeah. It's pretty decent. N- never seen it. Sure. Um, so he's trying to steal uh, some sort of like mystical demon statue, something like that. So basically he gets really close and then all of a sudden he sees 
Wolverine. Well, before that, all of a sudden the lights come on. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Forgot that part. Yeah. And we see Wolverine upside down because it's the point of view of Gambit. Right. And he's like, Wolverine, wait, the alarm. And Wolverine's like, it's shut off. The yeah. owner turned it off for me. We get a snicked. Yes. One snicked. Yeah. And he cuts Gambit down. <laughs> yeah. He tells Gambit, you know what? You're not going to steal this thing. This thing supposedly, if you say the right spell, summons um, another dimension. Yes, Gamma says he's doing it to protect the universe. And Wolverine's basically saying, that's a bunch of bull. Yeah, I don't really know about Peter David's version of Wolverine here. I think Wolverine would kind of probably be on Gambit's side. Well, okay, but if... I don't know. I can see because Wolverine says Tony Stark called me. You find out the next panel. Right. That Tony Stark called him that there's no way to summon this thing without some spell that's been lost forever. Right. So why are they stealing it? Wolverine's been around the block enough to know that some spell that's lost somewhere is very likely to show up the next issue. Yes. <laughs> However, with that said, he also knows that Gambit has been part we find this out later. The Gambit's been part of a thief club. Oh, no. We, we've known forever the Gambit is part of the Thieves Guild. He was oh. born and raised. This is new to me. Oh, yeah. No, you don't remember that from the cartoon? Well, I do, but I, I thought he left that. Eh. Some habits just are hard to kill. Yes. Okay. And so I think Wolverine's basically taking it as, dang it, Gambit. Stop. Right. Put that back. Right. I told yeah. you you couldn't have it. Put Quit it steal. back. We said you weren't going to steal anymore. So. I do. Yeah. Wolverine's definitely giving him. I think Gambit even says that in a minute. Not to get ahead, but that like Wolverine kind of just talks to him like a little kid. Yeah. So Wolverine and Gambit go back and forth as they're leaving. Wolverine's like, dude, Stark had you before you ever get your equipment out. Right. And uh, Gambit's like, I just need better equipment. <laughs> yeah, no, that was funny. Uh, so then it says, you know, we're going back to school, and I know you've still been stealing. So then we're in a bar with a bunch of people spewing around. Yeah. There's I like how there's one brawl. guy hiding behind a bench, like covering his or her ears. Yeah, but then there's another woman sitting on something with her legs crossed. True, I guess she wasn't phased. Yeah, although I do love Gambit's... Uh, I thought you might get a kick. Retort. <laughs> so anybody else want to say that New Orleans had Katrina coming because it's an un because of its ungodly beliefs? Anybody? Love that. Yep. So uh, is it true that y'all have a long memory? What? He says because it may have been some years back when we got a long memory. What? <laughs> okay. Apparently, you can't remember two seconds ago. It's a joke. But yes, the people of New Orleans, unfortunately, will remember. Well, I'm assuming you do since your cousin still talks about city politics for a city he hasn't lived in in 30 years. And if you ask my aunt, hey, do you remember such and such? She'll be like, yeah, on July 7th, <laughs> 1988 at 4.05 p.m. Blah, 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 blah. So, yes, we are a town that doesn't forget. Right. With that being said, don't you dare tread on my heritage. <laughs> so, you like the way Peter David writes Gambit? He's very Cajun. 
He is like very Sherry good. Like and Cher. It's not Sherry. It's an I on the end. Cher. And the silent E's. There's not supposed to be silent eyes. Crazy Cajuns. Mon Cher. Right, share, Sunny and share. No, I'm pretty sure Gambit says Sherry, but he really should just say share. Cause was the eye silent or no? Well, I'm trying to remember back to the cartoon, and I think he does say Sherry. Sherry. Yeah, but I think that's just their way of, because no one in New Orleans says Sherry. Oh, okay. They say share. Well, share. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so anyway, while Gambit's drinking away, Polaris stops by, and Gambit is very happy to see her. Yes, in her new spiffy outfit. That has a serval on it. Yeah. Um, and she she's just got weird hair. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. It's long it. and green and kind of wavy. Well, and it, I'm sorry, nobody's hair comes to a point. In comics, they do a lot, actually. I digress. Anyway, she says, I'm happy to see you too, but let's go to a coffee shop. So then we go to Starbucks. Well, that is, is blocked out everywhere. So we see the S-T-A-R-B and then part of a U and then there's a circle logo on the window. Yeah. I Use your you imagination. kind of make it out on the sideways sign. I wonder if I can and blow it up on the... No, I think it's intentionally kind of blurry. No, you can read it. Well, you blow I guess, it I up. guess Marvel got some kickback. Does Disney own Starbucks? No. Yeah, okay. Actually, I don't know. I don't think so. Anyway, they're at a coffee shop. She wants to know how things are going. He's like, eh, yeah. they're going. <laughs> she says, I want you to come with me. Well, she, yeah, because Gambit says... Wolverine treats me like a child, says if I want to stay part of the X-Men and stay at the school and be a teacher, I have to completely cut my ties permanently with the Thieves' Guild and walk the straight and narrow from now on. And then all of a sudden, she wants him to come with her. Yep. That right there is foreshadowing. So they're on an airplane that has the same logo on the, the side of it. The Serval Industries with mm-hmm. the cat. And... You know, he's like, hey, this isn't too bad. And she's like, nah, it's okay. Stewardess says they got a problem outside the window. A missile is flying towards the plane. Right. She puts her hand up and snaps. And boom, the missile blows up. Yeah, she uses her magnetic powers. Oh, is that how she did it? Yes. That's, I that's just her powers. Figured. She used the daughter, one of the daughters of Magneto. Oh. She kind of has like a lesser version of his powers. Gotcha. Now, some wouldn't be mad that I said lesser, but that's kind of the way it's always seemed to me. I don't know. Okay. So, of course, Gambit... I really like this panel. That That's a pretty big-ass missile, but it's a pretty cool panel. Yeah. The explosion behind the plane. Although, I think it would have shook the plane. I think it did shake the plane. Oh. I like how the, the company started as a web search engine. Yes. Hmm. Reminded me of Mark Cuban. So, But instead of buying a basketball team, they're buying a superhero team. That's right. Yeah. We haven't gotten to that part yet. Nah. It was, an, it was all over the internet. So anyway, um, 
Gambit gets a little shaken up because who would be shooting missiles at an airplane? And basically, Polaris goes on to explain that they have several enemies, that they originally got their start as an internet search engine. They went from that to weapons manufacturing, which is what actually pays the bills. But at the end of the day, they specialize in helping people. Hmm. Hmm. This doesn't sound suspicious at all. And she says she's done a lot of research, and she's pretty sure that's what they do. So they land at Serval Industries. Gambit gets out, thinks it's pretty nice. Polaris has a little conversation with the security guard that has a Britney Spears headset. That's called a Bluetooth. Oh, okay. (laughs) It's not wireless. He's got a wire running down his back. Oh, okay. She's explaining to the security guard that hopefully with any luck, Gambit will be working here. Right. Then this little man comes running and he bumps into Gambit. Polaris gets a little upset because guess what Gambit just did? (laughs) Stole his wallet. He stole the little man's wallet. So Gambit hands it back and Polaris kind of lectures him on, if you're going to work here, you cannot steal. Which is kind of funny because didn't she like play like she was going to be different than Wolverine, but she's kind of giving the same lecture. Yep, pretty much. Poor Gambit. No one wants to let him steal things. So they take the elevator, which he says is very Star Trek-y because it talks to you and you talk back to it. They get down to whatever level they're supposed to be on, and he runs into a woman called Linda Kwan. Yes. She also has a spiffy little uniform that has a cat on it. Yes. Um, she ex- and something's wrong with her face. Yeah, it's like she's got stripes. Can't tell if they're implants or if she has two Bluetooths. I don't know. Not either. She explains that she's basically, uh, her job is to make Serval Industries look good. So she's a giant PR person. Yes. I guess she just has that many people to talk to. She needs two Bluetooths. Maybe. Yeah. So how do you tell which person you're on hold with? Well, you don't put anybody on hold. You just talk to them both at the same time. Person on the right. I'm not talking to you momentarily. Person on the left. I need you to hear me, except <laughs> except for the next thing I'm about to say. Person on the right, this is for you. Right. So, person to my right, are you ready to listen to me? All right. Yeah. Here we go. Okay. So, Gambit, um, this kind of confused me. Okay, so, so basically can... what happened is Peter David is basically clearing up all the loose in some of the last X-Factor series. Okay. Where Jamie Madrox, a.k.a. Multiple Man, ran X-Factor Investigations. It was basically like a mutant private eye firm. Okay. Okay. And he had it like copyright. Like he ran a business called X-Factor. Basically, he's kind of severing that. Like he told that story, ended that series. And now he's moved on to write this new X-Factor. And this is kind of his way of explaining that away. Okay. By saying that Serval bought the name from Jamie Madrox. And, of course, the original X-Factor was a mutant government task force. So the government wanted to have mutants to help mutants look good and see why the government was helping mutants and vice versa. That was back in the 80s. Okay. So, so the idea that X-Factor has always been, there's always been as much business as team. And this is a new twist on that concept but it it sticks to kind of the x-factor roots okay so then gambit is introduced to 
Harrison Snow. Yes. Now, have we met Harrison Snow? I am not aware of him. Okay. But he's the CEO of Serval. That's right. And a pretty young-looking CEO. Yes. But he did go through a web company. So I'm just, for now on, this guy to me is just Mark Cuban. Okay. (laughs) So, with that said, basically Mark Cuban and Gambit (laughs) have this back-and-forth conversation that, that says, X Factor wants you. Gambit, uh, that they're starting a team a cor- of corporate superheroes. If the government can have their superheroes and other worlds and nations can have their superheroes, then why can't a corporation? Right. And um, they kind of go back and forth, and Gambit just says, so, you know, this team is dedicated, or I'm sorry, Cuban says, why not? This team is dedicated to serving the desires yes, of I a company. I need you to be my Dirk. Yeah, I need you to be my Dirk. I need you to make a three-pointer. for it. Yeah. Uh, basically, this is a team dedicated to serving the desires of a company whose main business is helping other people. Yeah. And that right there sends up some red flags. And Gambit says, and Serval is that company. I mean, don't take this the wrong way. But how do I know you're not evil? And because the fact I went that, to Harvard. And the fact that this guy laughs. No, he, the, he has an evil laugh. He has a blah. Yeah, he's evil. <laughs> that right there yeah. should have just been like, conversation over. You answered. <laughs> I'm leaving. But he tells Gambit he's from Harvard. So yes. And uh, they've hired an Avenger. And of course, Polaris wants to know what Avenger, and dun dun dun, dun we find out it's Quicksilver. Polaris's half brother. And so they kind of go back and forth, where you know it's like, hey, sis, nice to a see you. Brother from a different mother. Yes. Because they had the same dad. Okay. So you know they go through this. It's nice to see you. No, it's really not. You tried to shoot me. I was drunk. Um, so obviously they don't get along. And Quicksilver says most people don't shoot at their half-brother. And Gambit kind of chimes in and says, well, if more people had you for a half-brother, they might change. (laughs) And Quicksilver goes, no one asked you, Gambit. And Gambit says, I know. I just felt like saying it. I like how you try to imitate the TV show. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Why are Gambit's eyes red? His eyes are always red. It's just part of his mutation. Okay. Just checking. Yep. So anyway, Quicksilver decides, you know what? I don't need this flack. I'm leaving. So Polaris stops him, says, hey, if you really want to come on board and you really want to help people, then you know what? Sure. So now they're going to go on their first mission. And they say that there's this evil doctor in an evil lair and he's doing evil things. Evil to mutants. No to less. mutants. Yeah. Hmm. That's awfully uh convenient yes so they come to the the lab they break in and guess who's there aim who's aim aim the guys that have their own island oh i don't think this this is not the island but these are the same guys how do you know that you can tell by their beekeeper uniforms okay anyway they come in balls to the wall gambit takes down a guard quicksilver takes down a guard Polaris says, with any luck, we're in and out in five minutes. Gambit kind of has a dialogue to himself where he's like, you know, 
I'm not sure about this. I asked him if he was evil. He just kind of blew it off. So I'll just kind of see how this goes. So then we go inside this sort of sinister lair, lab, whatever you want to call it. And the doctor says, I really wish you'd reconsider letting me knock you out. And Fatal, who we don't know is Fatal yet, says, go to hell. I want my death screams to ring in your ears forever. And then all of a sudden the door busts open. Dr. Hoffman, we're under attack. Some mutants, I think. And the doctor gets excited because guess what? He now has more specimens that he uh, can play with, so to speak. Uh, and he tells Fatal that she has company. So, yeah, she's uh, getting cut on or about to be cut on. A surgical tray covering up her vajayjay. Yes. And, and little, a little boob caps. Yeah, boob caps. To hold her in. Yeah. All right. So uh, what would you think about this? The all new X Factor, number one. Hmm. What do you think about the concept of a corporate superhero team? I find it interesting. I just really... It's so obvious that this thing is evil from the get-go. Yeah, but that's, that would make for a short series if it's too obvious. I'm, I'm wondering if it's maybe going to be a little bit gray. Yeah, I don't know about this one. I have a feeling they're... I have a feeling what they're doing is setting it up as it's totally evil. And then you're going to find out, okay, maybe it's actually not that evil, but then secretly it really is evil. (laughs) (laughs) It'll probably be a nice little roller coaster ride. Yeah. And that to me is just, I'd rather kind of, hey, I decided to do this because you know what? Some mutant helped me or some Avenger helped me when I was little. And this is what I want to do to give back because I have no superpowers. That, to me, would have been completely believable and slightly Batman-ish. Now, I will say, Peter David, there's a few things he loves. And one thing he loves is um, misdirection. So I could be right. You could be right. Or maybe he's directing you into thinking he's misdirecting you. (laughs) Just kidding. So really, I'm right and I'm wrong, but I'm right. Well, so, but interesting note. This is Peter David's first time to ever write Gambit. Huh. So what do you think of how he handles Gambit? I think I actually liked how he handled Gambit. I liked it quite a bit. Um, And I like that Gambit's kind of the focus of this first issue. I'm assuming it won't be the whole series. It won't all be through kind of through his perspective like this one was. But I I really enjoyed a focus on Gambit. I need to find out. I've heard really mixed reviews about his solo series that recently ended i never read any of it so i haven't read gambit in a good while so i was glad to see him come back i root for gambit just because we're on the same team i didn't know there was a cajun team there is a cajun team yeah all right so what do you think about the art i actually really love the art i like the art a lot too i love going back i really like the way he draws gambit yeah. Like a lot. Do you remember an old show on MTV called Aeon Flux? Yes, weird. I love that show. Really? Yes. <laughs> That's weird. I loved how she'd catch the fly in her eyelashes. Wait, so did you ever see the movie with Charlie's Theron? No. Oh, and there's a movie that is stylistically interesting and not very much plot-wise. Anyway, this art, I was trying to, been trying to put my head, finger on the style. This art reminds me of that kind of 90s animation style i think this is better yeah it has some of the same feel in facial expressions especially yes now aeon but i do think this guy i think uh dijon domenico is much better because i hated the art to aeon flux well i was gonna say they were very um anorexic japanimation purposely distorted and disproportionate i 
Uh, I can never watch that cartoon because I couldn't stand the visual. Oh, see, I think that's what I was attracted to in that cartoon. Uh, gross. <laughs> Do yeah. I get hotness points for watching that as a kid? Uh, maybe if I didn't hate it, yeah. <laughs> I don't lose hotness points, do no, you? No, no, okay. no. You, know, you knew checking. what it was. That's good enough. Yeah, so I'm not sure about Peter David's take on Wolverine, but I guess we can kind of agree to disagree on that a little bit. Quite honestly, I think they needed a character to be that, no, you're doing bad. Put your hand out so I can slap yeah. it. And Wolverine just makes a good slappy boy. Because he sells books. Yeah. <laughs> and because he actually knows Gambit. As none of the other Avengers do. So what do you think of the costumes? Mm. Yeah, I think I could get used to them. I'm not super sold on them yet. Especially Gambit looks very strange to me in it. But the idea of Gambit even being on this team is strange to me. I know now it's just kind of having a, well, I'll just see what's going on kind of attitude. I'll have to see how it plays out for why he sticks around. Because working for the man is not Gambit style at all. Okay, I don't like the fact that Gamut has the like tight suit lose. with the jacket. I think he. Could, I know it's a Gambit staple, and kind of how you identify him, you know, it's Gambit. I kind of think in this scenario he should lose the jacket. <gasps> don't stone me. That's just my opinion. You, they could build a collar onto his uniform, and I think we'd still recognize that he's Gambit. I mean, I love his old costume with the suit, the jacket, but... I do, too. I just, I can't see a corporation going, we're going to make Lycra outfits for everybody, and, and we made a jacket. we're going to let you cover up the logo. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, let me ask you this. I don't think Wolverine's going to be in this much. Okay. So, I will probably buy a few issues and then kind of see where it goes. Not, since we won't be doing it for the podcast, do you think you will continue to read this? Was there enough? I don't know. Okay. Fair enough. All right, so when are you going to grade all new X-Factor number one? I'll give it five out of six. Five? <laughs> You're so funny. Why? You're always like, eh, I don't know. I kind of like this. I don't like that. And then you always grade really high. Like even uh, on Wolverine. I'm sorry. I'm going to change my grade to one out of six. No, no. Grade once you grade. It's fine. But even like when we were talking about Wolverine number 13, I was expecting you to come out with like a two out of six or not a one. Because it was like, oh, I don't like this. I hated this series. Going to wait for it to be over. Yeah, three out of six. Because I was so happy it was over. It got <laughs> bonus points for being over. Anyway. All right, so she's going to give it five out of six. I'm going to give all new X Factor number one four out of six claws. I will say, the art did it for me. I like the art a lot, too. All right, cool. Well, Denise, why don't you go make a drink or something? I'm going to talk about Superior Spider-Man number 25. Ooh. As fast as I can. Gin and, and tonic, here I come. And then we'll come back to A plus X number 16. Alrighty. So, Superior Spider-Man number 25 is Darkest Hours, I think the last part. It's written by Dan Slott and Christus Gage. Pencils by Umberto Ramos. Inks by Victor Alazaba. Delgado, Fabella, and Gandini did colors. Chris Eliopoulos did letters. And the cover is by Ramos. And it's an orangey red background with a giant superior Venom in the new superior Venom costume. Pretty cool cover. I like it. All right. So I will not. Well, I will. I will weigh in on the spoilers regarding Superior Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man. We know that Peter is coming back. 
And we see a precursor of that in this very issue. So Otto Octavius is not going to be in control of Peter's body anymore. So Superior Spider-Man is coming to a close and Amazing Spider-Man is relaunching. I gotta say, I started Superior Spider-Man 24 issues ago thinking, I'll try this, but I'll probably get out pretty soon. Not knowing that that Spider-Man as Dr. Octopus or Dr. Octopus as Spider-Man would actually be one of my favorite books. I really, really enjoyed it. That said, I don't mind that it's coming to an end. I knew it wouldn't be permanent as long as the ending is as good as the rest of the story. Like the story makes sense and it's not like, oh, yeah, we got to stop now and bring Peter back. As long as it's a good story, then I'm okay with it. But where we are right now is uh, Spider-Man or Spock has got Venom. So now he's Superior Venom and he's going around beating the hell out of villains. The Avengers see this and they got to stop him because he's uh, being a little lethal. So he breaks up a robbery, but the Avengers tell them to let the guy go before he kills him. We have Cap, Wolverine, Thor, Spider-Woman, and Black Widow. And Venom's like, no, I think I'll just kill y'all instead. Then we have the subplot with the Goblin stuff. Hobgoblins, uh, heroes, or uh, villains for hire are pretty incompetent in showing it. And he uh, gets bested by the Green Goblin in his underground empire. And he kind of throws down the gauntlet a little bit later in the issue. So we see Wolverine uh, fighting Venom. We see all the Avengers fighting Venom. We get kind of a, a mention that Cap talks about how careful Wolverine, you don't have your healing factor. And we see that uh, Green Goblin is looking to make a move on Spider Island. And we see Carly Cooper and her new Goblin persona with her sister. Which, by the way, they all look really cool. And actually, you know, Romos's art sometimes gets a little too sloppy for me. But I, always, I like this kind of stylistic style. I don't really know how else to say it. But I like his art, usually. But this issue is really, really... This is like him with his A-game. He's been saving it up. So we get lots of Goblin interaction. Goblin wants Carly to tell him who Spider-Man really is because he thinks she knows. And she says, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Let me see who's under the Goblin mask. And he goes, oh, it's me, Norman Osborn, baby. And she's like, well, anybody can say that, but he was in a coma. How do I know it's really you? And he's like, fine, I'll show you after you prove yourself. Go out with your sister and paint the town red. All right, so then we get some more Avengers fighting Venom. Cap calls Iron Man and says, you need to find Flash Thompson. He had the Venom suit before this. Maybe he can help. So he does. And he, uh, yeah, he finds him. So more fighting. Then the town sees in Times Square on the big screen, Spider Venom fighting the Avengers. My voice is, I did that last one on purpose. My voice cracked during Spider-Venom. And the town says, you know what? We don't like Spider-Man. He's being too strict. He's being too legalistic on the law. Busted a jaywalker the other day. And he's being too mean to the criminals. He's even killing some people. We don't like him. And he's got all these spider cameras running around spying on us like Big Brother. And they turn on Spider-Man and start taking out the Spider-Bots. Suddenly they all have Kansas spray paint out of nowhere. And they start spray painting all the spider bots. And a lady hits them with her purse and breaks them. Then the guys at Spider Island are like, uh, we can't see anything on the screens anymore. And then um, we see Carly. Her new goblin name is Monster. And her sister's name is Venice. 
I really like her goblin design too. It looks really cool. And they go and they kill, um, what's this guy's name? I don't remember. He has a goofy guy in a hat. Um, his name is Steeple Jack. Yep, that's dumb. <laughs> but, but Carly kills him. And a uh, hobgoblin, the Yurik hobgoblin, was spying on her. And he reports back to Green Goblin and says, Yeah, not only did she kill him, but she wasn't holding him back. Like, she's legit. She turned. He reports back to his old hobgoblin boss and says, Hey, guess what? Yep, not working for you anymore. There's a new goblin in town. Can we go back? More Avengers fighting Venom. Then Tony Stark shows up. And he's like, well, Tony Stark's here. Where's Iron Man? And Iron Man sneaks up on him. And turns out Flash, even though he doesn't have his legs, he doesn't need a Venom suit. He's in the Iron Man suit. And the spider sense didn't go off because he still has parts of the symbiote. He calls it residual symbiote left in him. Or sorry, he calls it traces. And so the spider sense didn't go off. So Venom's like, ah! And then suddenly, uh, Spock realizes that Venom has been making him even worse and affecting his judgment. And he tries to get out of the Venom suit, but he can't. So Flash is like, come back to Daddy, Venom. And uh, then, uh uh-oh, Peter Parker's ghost shows back up. We thought he was obliterated from the astral plane, but turns out he was not. And he helps somehow his astral form physically helps pull Venom off of Peter Parker's body, and it goes back to Flash, and Agent Venom is whole again. Then Spider-Man doesn't realize that he had help. He thinks he did it all through his own willpower, and he turns to the Avengers, and he says, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And he says, wait, trace particles. Yes, that's it. I met Venom a while back, and there's been traces of him in me, building up, calling out to the symbiote. That's why I've been acting crazy and doing the wrong stuff. It was all Venom. I'm fine. Thank you guys for helping me and beating the Venom out of me. I appreciate it. You're such good friends. And the Avengers all just kind of stare at him. Wolverine kind of smirks. Then we see Mary Jane is released from prison. She's being questioned for Carly Cooper's disappearance. But she's debating how she's going to tell Aunt May what's wrong with Peter. But she gets home. And remember, I, I predicted this. Not that it wasn't. Not that it's like super hard to figure out. Remember, I, I said a few issues ago when Wolverine was in Superior Spider Man that I thought when he got taken over by Venom that he would be able to use that to kind of retrofit all his behavior and say, oh, it was just Venom doing that. So that's, that's what happened. And he finds Mary Jane and she's scared. But he's like, no, he shows on the TV, the news. This is what happened. Venom was in Spider Man. And he says, baby, that was me. That wasn't me. All the, I'm sorry I mistreated you, but it was all Venom. Can you forgive me? And she's like, of course. And Peter's like, sucker. Then we go back to Avengers Tower, and Iron Man's like, you're not really buying this Venom crap, are you? And they're like, yeah, sure. And Cap tells Flash he did a good job. He's a good soldier, which, of course, Flash looks up to Cap immensely, so I'm sure that was good to hear. And also, like, House is kind of setting up his departure to Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Venoms, that is. And he needs to keep a low profile and stuff like that now. This Venom just attacked the Avengers on Times Square. Oh, and the Avengers are like, no, we tested him. There's nothing wrong. It's definitely the real Spider-Man. Wolverine says, I may not have my healing factor, but I still trust my senses. It's, it's really him. It's really Spider-Man. Iron Man, Tony Stark's like, what test? And he gets in and says, 
funny. These were erased. But I had an extra security camera that can't be erased because no one knew about it. And turns out, uh-oh, it was Spider-Man that erased everything. So now Captain America's like, that does it! <laughs> we're going back after Spider-Man again. So like I said, I thought uh, Ramos's art, which is always good, was even better this issue. Wolverine kind of just fought a little bit with the Avengers, but, you know, he pretty much was Wolverine. I'm digging this story a lot. I like the subplots. I like where it's going. I kind of wish I didn't know the spoiler stuff, but I do. But even with that in mind, I still like the story. So I'm going to give Superior Spider-Man 25, 6 out of 6 claws. All right, so let's move on to A plus X number 16. Uh, the first story is Amazing Spider-Man and Psylocke. It's written by Sean Ryan with art by Goran Parlov. Wait, is that the, uh, is that? No, it's Pavlov. <laughs> the Pavlov Bells. The color is by Veronica Gandini and VC's Clayton Cowles is the letterer. And we have a second story, Captain America and Cyclops, written by Gary Dugan. Uh, pencils by David Yarden. Uh, you have four anchors, never a good sign. That's Cam Smith, Norman Wee, Terry Pallet or Pillow, and David Yarden. Andre Mosa did the colors. VCs Clayton Cowles and Joe Sabinia did the letters. The cover is by Goran Parlov. It's got Spider Spider Man and Psylocke on some rubble. And this is the old Spider Man. So this first story is a flashback. It's old Psylocke uniform, old Spider-Man uniform. It's still before Superior Spider-Man. All right, so on this cover, uh, what do you think about this cover, Denise? She needs more clothes. Uh, Psylocke, that's Psylocke for you. Less clothes equals more ninja. Actually, my first thought was, I want to dye my hair that color. <laughs> you would probably look pretty hot with hair that color. I've had hair that color. I almost have. It was a, it was a little more red than purple. But, um, yeah, I kind of hate this cover. Um, Spider-Man looks okay. I think Psylocke looks like, uh, trying to take a dump. anime Barbie doll yes. in the face. And I'm sorry, but no ninja would ever wear high heels under any circumstance. No. You can't fight. You can't kick. I know. I know. It's comics. And, and they girls fight in heels all the time. big, long belt. Her legs are going to get wrapped up in that thing and she's going to fall over. No, that's just part of her costume, too. It's not always that long. But I'm sorry, the ninja and heels things just kind of pisses me off. All right, so basically in this old story, we have Spider-Man swinging around, reciting his uh, grocery Loaf of bread, contents of milk, and a stick of butter. Load yep. of bread, contents of milk, or contents of milk. Container of milk. Container of milk, and a stick of butter. Yeah, and he's... Swinging around when he hears a crash and some machine gun fire and he jumps in and it's Psylocke fighting some bad ninjas. Ninja businessmen. And uh, they fight some more. Uh, then there's a grenade. Everybody blows up. Psylocke gets a piece of metal through her stomach. She has one of those stupid overdramatic deaths where she dies and then has one last gasp and then dies again. Spider-Man's going to stay with her until her dying breath. But the X-Men show up, including Wolverine and Shadow. They say they'll take care of it. The best part of this whole issue is after they leave, Spider-Man takes off his mask and wipes a tear off his eye because he thinks Psylocke is dead. And he goes, freaking X-Men. Then he swings off and he's like, a loaf of bread, a container of milk, and a, and a 
crap. <laughs> that really was the best part. Yeah. I pretty much hated that story. Um, <laughs> I thought it was short and pointless. Pointless describes it to a T. So the next story, we're continuing our Captain America Cyclops story with uh, the cadre of skull, scrolls. And they're trying to get off planet. They fight them, but the scrolls kind of kick their butts. Um, then the shield LMD goes haywire, says that he had Doom nanobots, and that Captain America and Cyclops have them too, and that Doom knows all and he's coming. So Captain America says, X-Men, Avengers, Cadre K, new mission, let's go. That story's okay. I've kind of been enjoying it, but I feel like it's kind of, um, it's kind of meandering his way through not doing much right now. <laughs> so I'm kind of lost interest in it a little bit too. So I'm going to give A plus X. And what are you going to give it? I'm going to give it two. Two out of six claws. Okay. I'm going to give it one out of six claws. I kind of wish I didn't buy it. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap up. Where's Logan? Hope you enjoyed it. Okay. So last up, uh, I'm going to try a new segment that may or may not keep. It's going to be Snicked Family. <laughs> basically about Wolverine-related characters, which basically there's kind of two right now since he killed his son. <laughs> That'd be X-23 and Sabretooth. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes. And uh, if you want it to, to stick around, uh, let me know. So, all right. First, we have all-new X-Men number 21. As, of course, X-23 is joined the uh, original X-Men on their team with Cyclops and Cyclops, Attorneys at Law. All right, this is written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Brandon Peterson, colors by uh, Wolvie Award winner Israel Silva, Brent Anderson and James Campbell did the flashback art, VC's Corey Pennant, uh, I thought she might yell woohoo from the other room, um, is the letterer, uh, and Brandon Peterson did the cover. The cover... Better late than never. <laughs> the cover's pretty cool. It's got a hot pink background. And it has young Jean in X-23 in the new uh, X-Men Voltron uniforms. And they're, they, they're growling and scowling and ready to fight. It is a pretty cool cover. X-23 especially looks pretty cool. Alright, so last issue number 20. Uh, the young X-Men found... X-23 running away from the purifier. She was being hunted down. And they rescued her. Uh, and this issue, I guess they've been captured by the purifiers. Oh, all right, so they tried to bust it. But Jason Stryker's son is now, or Jason Stryker, William Stryker's son, is now leading the purifiers, but he has a power. Hmm. So we get a flashback that says that AIM helped save his son. Uh, William Stryker, that is. And so, I don't know. I don't know if they healed him of this element. No, I thought he died. But anyway, so they use his powers are like scientifically based. Or, and the guy, the doctor scientist says, wouldn't it be ironic if your boy was a mutant since you preach against the mutant apocalypse? So there's a possibility his power that maybe he is a mutant. But he's leading now the anti-mutant propaganda party so i guess that would be akin to the uh black white supremacist from the dave chappelle show <laughs> maybe that's a good skit by the way anyway so the x-men get knocked out by j strike and um captured 
Then they escape. Uh, we do see J-Strike shows uh, X-23 footage from Avengers Arena with her just going nuts and quote-unquote killing people. And we find out that the whole thing was broadcast by Arcade, that it was a reality show. I didn't actually read any of that, so I can't really comment. Yeah, when the X-Men get away in a somewhat confusing manner, and they're actually able to defeat J-Strike and the Purifiers, and a young Cyclops goes to check on X-23, and she gives him a hug, and young Jean sees it, and I can't tell if she's bothered by it or not. Anyway, yeah, that's it. So I gotta say, the flashback art by Brent Anderson and James Campbell actually looked like a late 80s comic book, which would be around the time the God Loves Man Kills came out. I guess maybe a little later. It maybe looks a little later than that, but same era. Pretty cool, so that's cool. And then Brandon Peterson's art is really good. I like the colors by Silva. I don't know. Uh, Stryker's son, Jay Strike, now being in charge of the Purifiers, didn't really make my jaw drop or anything. And the Purifiers are okay sometimes. I didn't really care for the story, partially because the way the X-Men got free was pretty confusing, and the fighting was a little bit hard to follow. Like, like Jean, like, okay, yeah, she uh, telekinetically moves the bonds off of Cyclops' eyes, and he blasts stuff, and... Kitty phases out, and I'm assuming maybe in between fighting she set everybody free, but we don't really, you set only just everybody's free. <laughs> so off panel, I guess they all got loose. But yeah, they're all fighting, everybody's fighting. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, I'm going to give all new X-Men number 21, two out of six claws, just kind of boring. I've been really loving this series. It's probably my favorite overall comic. I did not really like this issue very much. So next we have Uncanny X-Men number 16, which is uh, also written by Brian Michael Bendis with pencils and colors by Chris Bacallo. Uh Tim Townsend, Alve, Mark Irwin, and Victor Alazaba did the inks. DC's Joe Caramagna did the letters and production. Chris Anka did the cover. That's what it says, but the cover has Bacalo's, or Bacalo's little symbol, so I think maybe he did the cover. But I actually don't know. Or maybe Chris Anka has the same, like, circle CD thing. I don't know. And regardless, not my favorite cover. It's black and white, Magneto, all kind of grainy and fuzzy and high contrast. And he's got blood splatter on him. And basically, this is the story of Magneto. He's returned to the school where the, uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, that's the University of Michigan. Where there was a pro-mutant rally last time and the Uncanny X-Men showed up and there was a fight. Well, now they're having another pro-mutant rally and Magneto fantasizes about killing all the humans, saying, you're not our brothers, you're the cause of all our pain. I gotta say, uh, Bacalo's Magneto power and his little waves look really cool. And then he meets Dazzler, Agent Dazzler, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's actually really mystique. And they pump each other for information and get kind of nothing. But she drops a clue that there's something big going down in Madripoor. Lots of mutants relocating there. So Magneto decides he's going to go check it out. And either he made a fake goatee and mustache or he waited till he had time to grow a goatee before he went. I will say this scene where he goes like trouncing around looking for this bar and he sees people buying mutant growth hormone. That kind of pisses them off. But he goes to this bar and he's in this white suit with a white hat. Very much reminds me of the Nazi hunting scene in uh, X-Men First Class. 
So he finds these guys are mutants. We know his power is lessened. He even talks about how he can't move a tank anymore, but he can still move like a knife. So he attacks these guys by moving a knife and guns. In fact, even the last guy, he puts the gun up to his head and the knife up to his throat and says, you choose, knife or gun. And he's trying to find out who's in charge, who told all the mutants to come. Then he meets the Blob, and Blob takes him to see Sabretooth and Silver Samurai. The Sabretooth's here. He asks Sabretooth if he's in charge, and he says no, but I thought he was in charge of Madripoor, kind of. But maybe that's the hand in Japan. It's hard to keep up. I feel like, like, there's nine different writers have nine different people in charge of Madripoor right now. Kind of hard to follow. Kind of frustrating. Anyway, uh, Agent Dazzler reveals to Magneto that she is really mystique, and they want Magneto's kind of endorsement for the mutant paradise of Madripoor. They want him to stay and help and quit hiding out with Scott Summers and quit being so traumatized by Professor X's death and to get back to being Magneto, the real Magneto. But he doesn't like this, and apparently this whole thing, trying to find out who was in charge, was just to ferret him out. He says that his old dream doesn't work, and Professor X's dream didn't work. But this, this is a nightmare, giving mutant growth hormone to humans. I guess that's maybe his main sticking point. But anyway, it's cool because he controls Silver Samurai and makes him stab Mystique. And then he had some, this is actually really cool. He had a bunch of bullets in his coat pocket and he pulls them out and throws them in the air and shoots Sabretooth with them. And then he shoots Mystique and Blob and Silver Samurai and whatever. Then he leaves and Blob's like, why? Why would you do this to us? And he makes part of the building collapse while they're on a roof. And he gets in his helicopter and flies off. And uh, back at the new Xavier school, the Uncanny X-Men are talking about where Magneto is and they don't know. But he always comes back and then we get a promo that I guess he's going to leave this book en route to his new solo series coming up. Anyway, this book is actually really good, besides the whole I don't know what's going on in Madripoor thing, but it's actually really cool. It's a good chance to see Magneto and see kind of where he is right now. Art was good. Fitness's writing was really good, much more interesting than the other one. So yeah, I'm going to give Uncanny X-Men number 16 5 out of 6 claws. Okay, so that's uh, the Snicked family segment. Let me know if you like it. It'll pretty much be only like people that are very, very closely tied, like X-23, Sabretooth, Dog, if Dawkin ever comes back, maybe Dawkin. Yeah, somehow, like, extremely related. So, not just kind of, oh, this guy hung out with Wolverine one time, let me talk about what he's doing now. I probably don't care. (laughs) Or if I do, it doesn't apply to the podcast. So, um, anyway, let me know what you think. All right. Okay, so that's going to do it for uh, this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Had a good time. Went kind of long, so we'll keep this short and sweet. Just want to throw out there that uh, Denise and I might. Might. Have something else coming down the pipeline. Possibly. Yeah, that you might want to keep your ears peeled. Maybe. Some new candy for your ear holes, maybe. Candy for your ear holes. Yep, so... Be on the lookout for further announcements regarding that. Let's just say. In the next couple of episodes. I'm crossing my fingers and hoping what he's telling me is true. <laughs> All right. So please uh, leave an iTunes review. You can like us on Facebook. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Snickcast. Which, thank you, everybody. I know some of the new followers are just want to talk comics and may or may not be listening. But um, I appreciate it anyway. You can... Email snickcast at yahoo.com. And if you want to go to the website for show notes and other types of stuff, 
It is uh, snickcast.podbean.com. And eventually, I'm going to quit being lazy and set up photo albums on the Facebook page for, like, really cool covers and snicks and stuff like that. But that requires you to, to uh, stop do, to recording. Do yeah. Well, to find yeah. time outside of recording. <laughs> and editing. Yeah. Yes. And playing music. And, being and working. A, being a good dad and husband. Yeah. <laughs> but somewhere on sleep. that. sleep. <laughs> I don't sleep. When's the last time I slept? Last night. <laughs> yeah. Did that count as sleeping? I don't know. Ethan waking us up at three in the morning. Yeah. Plus I had weird dreams. But anyway, enough's enough. Um <laughs> until next time, uh hugs and snicks. Bye. Bye.